Tyreek Hill is now out of the AFC West. And today we talk about if Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs can replicate the same magic and if the Chargers have now closed the gap in the AFC West. You are locked on Chargers. Your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And we've been covering the Chargers for over six seasons now, but we're heading into our fifth as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Thanks for making us your first listen. And to make sure you never miss the show, especially when big news happens like this, subscribe to the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and follow the show for free on all platforms, wherever you get your podcast from. But the news definitely came to us today, David, because... The Chiefs surprisingly traded Tyreek Hill out of the division, right? The connection between Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill is no more. They did get a good amount of compensation for it. But in these trades, David, if you're losing the star player, it's very hard to win the trade. And I think both teams, you know, Tyreek Hill probably won't be the same without Mahomes and vice versa. So we're going to talk about that and also how the Chargers have now made themselves that much closer or maybe even, you know, leap the gap between them and the Chiefs, and it just seems like the AFC West is wide open now, so we're going to get into that, and then we're going to get into our top five AFC West weapons and which charges will show up on the list. I'll tell you one thing, David. I think three of the top six weapons in the AFC West right now belong to the Los Angeles Chargers, but we have to start with Tyreek Hill, David, because I didn't see this coming. There was not a lot of smoke around this fire. He goes to the Miami Dolphins for a bunch of picks, five picks in total, a first, a second, and a fourth-round pick this year, and a fourth and a sixth-round pick in 2023. And now he's getting paid $30 million a season, th- four years, $120 million. What was your reaction when you saw the news? <laughs> first of all, I was like, wait, is this real? Like, I need to make sure and validate this. And, like, this was something that really came together very, very quickly. First thing you see is a, a tweet, I think, from Adam Schefter saying, hey, you know, all of a sudden the, the Chiefs are in serious talks about trading Tyreek Hill. And you're like, wait, what? Tyreek Yeah, the Hill? contract negotiations came to a halt and then they let him go look for a trade, like out of nowhere. And you expected that to take very long? Uh, uh-uh, <laughs> definitely not. Tyreek Hill has been a mess, menace. He is one of the most dangerous receivers in the NFL. And I am overjoyed that he is gone out of the AFC West, the Chargers will still have to see him this year, but that animal, that cheetah is <laughs> gone. Totally. I mean, it, there's just not another player truly like him. I mean, he's like Debo Samuel in a different way. Like, there's just a couple of dudes in the league where there's just – you. it's hard to find a comparison for them because it's not just a fast dude. It's not just a quick dude after the catch. It's not just, you know, a good route runner or whatever the case may it's be. all of the above. Having all of that and also having the connection between him and Patrick Mahomes because, like, so many, you know, sandbox plays where they're just like, okay, hey, point, run that way as fast as you possibly can, and I'm just going to launch it. Like, so much out-of-the-pocket magic from Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill, and you just have to wonder, I know the Chiefs are still a problem, right? I, I think the Chiefs are still going to be the betting favorites to win the division. 
But at the same time, like I think it is fair to wonder, even with the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, if the Chiefs can still be that juggernaut offense where it doesn't matter how bad your defense is because you were just so good offensively when you lose that specific unique piece. Well, the reason for that is the same reason the Chargers should be trying to add that type of game-breaking speed is because it opens it up for everyone else on the on, on the offense, on your field. That's why Travis Kelsey was so much more productive. That's why McCole Hardman had phenomenal years because you have to account for Tyreek Hill at all times. You need to know where he's at. Is he in the backfield? Is he in the slot? Is he out wide? Where is he? We, we have to know where he is at all times. And, of course, that's going to, like I said, open things up for Travis Kelsey to just go crazy and dominate and McCole Hardman to have ridiculous years. All of that was assisted, was brought forward, was raised up because of Tyreek Hill. Absolutely. Like what it did for Mahomes, what it did for Travis Kelsey, what it did, you know, for those auxiliary pieces, and they just kind of cycled through them, right? It was the Demarcus Robinsons, the Sammy Watkins, the Byron Pringles, right? They have had a lot of guys that have been able to benefit from having him there to really open up the underneath things too. But he also, you know, the thing that gets forgotten too is like, yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes has a giant arm and all those things, but the Chiefs offense is so reliant on the short game. Nobody runs more short game, even with their strong arm quarterback, than the Kansas City Chiefs. They love throwing the ball around the line of scrimmage. They're near the top of the league over the last few seasons doing that, even factoring in the deep bombs. So many little shovel passes, right? So much stuff where, you know, the play right before halftime against the Bengals, where they just did a little thing real quick and they got stuffed and it ended up being a terrible call. But like, they live off of that kind of stuff, the gadget plays and things like that. And guys like McCall Hartman, while, you know, he had a good season last year, almost 60 catches. I mean, that's an unproven commodity there. And he just doesn't bring those same aspects to the table. It's just not the same by any means. They did add Juju Smith-Schuster. And I just don't know if that's even enough to move the needle for me because the dude has only had 1,000-yard season. And he's averaged only 8.6 yards per catch over the last two years. So for me, David, now it looks like, hey, this division is getting wide open, and that's what we're going to talk about next is just it feels like it's anybody's chance now, especially the Chargers, with what they did. But for the Chiefs specifically, I think for them, you still have that elite offense. You still have an elite offensive-minded coach in Andy Reid. You still have Travis Kelsey. But is that going to be enough? Because, David, it's also what they lost defensively, right? Like Tyron Matthews not coming back. Tyreek Hill is not coming back. They Traverius lost a lot. Ward of, is not coming back. Traverius Ward is not coming back, and they didn't really add a lot there. Justin Reed. So, like, if you're looking at the AFC West so far in the offseason, it seems like they're the clear loser so far. Absolutely, they are. I mean, especially in this division where it's just been big blockbuster move after big blockbuster move. The Everybody's Chargers catching get up. Khalil Mack. The Broncos go finally get a quarterback, like a legitimate, like ridiculous. Hall of Fame to be quarterback and Russell Wilson, a Super Bowl champion to really pair with all of those young weapons that they have on the offensive side. And they have always had talent on the defense. And then, of course, the Raiders go get Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams. So it seems like everyone has, you know, really raised their game and really brought in a lot of big players, big pieces to try and go out there and take the crown from the Chiefs. And I think right now, Daniel, it is very much up for the taking. Yeah, I mean, I think before it still seemed like, hey, you know, we're still going to have to see it, and we still do, right? We still have to see yeah. that somebody go take it from them when they've won the division as many times as they've had, when they've won, you know, gone to the AFC Championship game and as many consecutive times as they've had. 
you still have to go, you know, take it from them because they still have the best quarterback in the division. And as long as you have that right, maybe, you know, Justin Herbert's catching up a little bit, but he's still that guy and they're always still going to have a chance and they're always still going to be good as long as they have him and Travis Kelsey, but they're not able to keep all of these guys now. And it just seems like it's very hard for me to believe that they win this trade, even with a first and a second round pickies this year. Yeah. You can go attack wide receiver. You could even package it, trade up, go get somebody you really want. But at the same time, like you have to hit on all those picks. And that's not necessarily been the MO of the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, yeah, they drafted, you know, guys like Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and the guys like that. But like that's a lot of picks you're gonna have to hit on to try to recoup some of that value. And if you do, you know, now you have cheaper guys to go along with Patrick Mahomes' massive, you know, contract that he has. But at the same time, that special uh, you know, ability of Tyreek Hill matched with that special arm of Patrick Mahomes is going to change things, I would have to think dramatically for the Chiefs offense. They're still going to be great. I just don't think they're going to be putting up all-time great numbers. And more importantly, David, I think the Chargers have really closed the gap in this division. And the other teams are right there as well. I think it is up for grabs, and it's probably a little too soon to say. But we are going to get into that next, how much of a better chance the Chargers have without Tyreek Hill in the division. And also, if they should go more all-in than they already have so far and really push the chips to the middle of the table and try to fill out the rest of this roster. But when I'm going all in with my bets, I only do it with betonline.net. It's such a great time to be betting with betonline because it's March Madness and the craziness of the big tournament of the season is here. And we have the second weekend coming up where it's just going to be wall-to-wall basketball games again. And especially when you're talking about teams like St. Peter's and other teams you haven't thought about or ever heard of before, one thing that gets the juices flowing for the game is definitely having some action on it. So make sure you guys are betting with BetOnline.net, one of the biggest betting weekends of the entire season. And from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info because they remain your best spot for all sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So make sure you guys head to the website or use your mobile device to find more about the trends and action right now because BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, David. Well, we focus mostly on the Chiefs and kind of, you know, how much Tyreek Hill ended up you know, taking away from them by leaving and going to the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, it would have been nicer to go to the NFC and get him all the way out. And I mean, now that AFC East conversation maybe gets a little bit more interesting, but it's still, you know, the Bills looking down on everyone else, but maybe the Dolphins can compete now with the Patriots. It's going to be interesting to see with Tua because, you know, if he doesn't do it this year with these guys, then you at least kind of get your answer on him as your franchise. Well, then they have Teddy Bridgewater there that's saying, hey, I'm not going to answer <laughs> questions about my role. So it's yeah. like, hmm, I mean, do they have maybe some ideas of maybe putting him as the starter? I mean, we'll see. Yeah, but this is a Charger show. But if you need to keep up with the rest of the NFL, make sure you guys check out the Lockdown NFL show where you get the best hosts in the network besides me going over all of the best news and info from all around the league. That's where I used to keep up, especially because they circle out the host, you get a little bit of everything throughout your week, and it really is a lot of fun and very informative as well. But then now it's about the Chargers, David, and it's too soon to talk about, you know, are the Chargers the full-blown favor in the division? But it's also hard to see how much of a gap is there now because now we know that, yeah, Justin Herbert might not be as good as Patrick Mahomes yet, right? But at the same time, the rest of his supporting cast is now looking so much better potentially, at least as far as what the Chargers have added on the defensive side. We know the Broncos had a good defense, right? 
didn't have an offense, really. We knew the Chargers had a good offense and had one of the worst defenses in the NFL. But now you add the Khalil Mack and the J.C. Jackson in this conversation, David. I know the Chargers still have to do it before we believe it, right? Or as Patrick Mahomes would say, believe it when I see it, but or um, see it when I believe it. But I think at the same time, like there, the gap is so much more incredibly small if there is one at all. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, you look at the Chargers and you look at every single position group, and you you see players that you're scared of. I mean, first and foremost, the quarterback position, Justin Herbert. What he broke records and shot like not broke records, he shattered records the first two years that he was in the league. And there's not much, done. Yeah. yeah, there's not much he can't do. I mean, you want a quarterback that has a rocket arm, check. You want a quarterback that can run and extend the play, check. You want an incredibly intelligent quarterback, check. Justin Herbert has all of the things that you want. If you want to build a quarterback from the ground up, it has all the traits that Justin Herbert possesses. And then you have the weapons. You have the Mike Williams, the Keenan Allens, the Austin Ecklers, the Gerald Everett's that they're bringing into the uh, equation. And then the offensive line still needs some work, but you, you have some very good pieces that you can really, really build on. And on defense, you have some absolute superstars. Derwin James, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa. And the biggest, most important thing is that they now have dudes that can come in and stop the run consistently. That was the biggest kryptonite for the Chargers last year. If they can stop the run, then they are going to get off the field a lot more consistently on third downs, which is going to get the ball back to Justin Herbert. And if Justin Herbert doesn't have to overcome a defense that's giving up 28 points per game, just imagine what that dude is going to be able to do next year. Well, and I mean, Justin Herbert's been like the ultimate, you know, wins are not a quarterback stat because like, yeah, yeah, he doesn't have a great record through two seasons right now. But the one thing we've always talked about is like getting that dude more help. You know what I mean? And I think when you're talking about that, they've done that because they've added pieces to their defense that should get him back the ball more. They had the best interception cornerback in the league. They Mr. added a guy INT. who, you know, is also the last time he was with Staley forced six fumbles and Joey Bosa led the league in forced fumbles in 2021. So, like, you have that dynamic with a couple of very, you know, reasonable guys in the middle, very good players in the middle that will really shore things up. So, you know, teams can't just try to take Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack out of the game because you're going to be so much more stout on the interior. So, I think with the Chargers, it one thing, the message that does need to be sent, though, is like, we better make sure we have everything because this became even more your chance this season. Like, yeah, it's a window and they've been adding players for this window, but let's not make any mistakes. The window has already started. It's now. And that's what makes them so much more important that they potentially figure something out at right tackle, at least have yes. a veteran there to compete for that spot. Have a guy that comes in at right guard that feels you feel good about, like an Odea Bushi. Get that figured out because you don't want to go into the draft needing as many needs as the Chargers have right now. And if you can just fill those with even stopgap options, you give yourself a solid offensive line with no huge, clear, weak spots, which they had last year. And you give yourself all the ability to potentially give yourself the best offense in the draft by going and getting a Jamison Williams or going to get a Chris Olave. Yeah, absolutely, Daniel. I think the time is now for the Chargers to realize that the AFC West is the most open for the taking that it has been the last five or six seasons. I think that's pretty, and maybe even longer than that. The Chiefs have had a stranglehold on this <laughs> division for the longest time. And now you can really see that the Chargers can definitely 
open that crack and bust right open if they continue to make the right moves, Daniel. It's so important that they sure up that offensive line and they add another cornerback and they add some more help, another RB2 to help Austin Eckler out. It's, you know, hey, go get the division. Like, your window is open, but it's you have to go make sure that you're emphatic about what you're trying to do, and that's win and win the division for the first time in a decade. Like, literally, it's been 10 years since the Chargers have raised up the AFC West banner, and that has to stop, and their their chances right now, but they still have work to do, and that's the thing that has to be remembered. Go out there, at least provide some options for those positions so you feel much better because you can't just expect the player that you need to just spontaneously fall to you in the draft. You're not going to get a Rashawn Slater every single time. Well, and not only that, but you can't just expect the players that you've seen not be able to do it to come back and be able to do it next season just because you're so much better at coaching them now. Like That's just too big of a risk to take if you have an option. And in my mind, they do have an option to go sign somebody to at least find somebody who's even just league average because I think that would be enough. You just can't guarantee that with the guys you currently have on the roster. But I do think the one thing that – is important is, I mean, Kansas City still has Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, right? The continuity there. The Chargers also have some continuity, right? Going to the second year of all of your coordinators still in place, your head coach still in place, second year in a row, running the same offense. The other two teams in the division don't have that, David, and the Raiders yeah. and the Broncos. Both of those teams have brand new coaching staffs entirely. So that could be something that slows them down, too. So maybe the continuity is another edge the Chargers have at making a run at this division in 2022. For the first time in Justin Herbert's like pro career, like even yeah. amateur career, he has the same offense for the second consecutive year. And I think that's so hard to understand and so hard to fathom. He has dealt with that much turnover yeah. and still found ways to have incredible success year in and year out. And now just imagine he has – the same offense, he can continue to go back and work on the things that he struggled with and refine and improve the things that he did extremely well so they can just continue to fine-tune that offense that they said they're building directly for Justin Herbert. Well, in last season, there was so much talk about, you know, putting him through the fire and just like, we're going to throw so much at him. Like, he doesn't have to do that this year, right? Now he's just adding on. Now you're adding wrinkles. Now you're adding pages to the perfecting. the baseline is already there. So now you don't have to think as much. And when you're a quarterback, right? Like, and you're trying to diagnose defenses and things like that, you don't want to be trying to remember what the play call is. He has that stuff down. Now we know he's a smart player. We know that he should only be getting better from where he was last season, which, you know, was like a borderline, you know, MVP season from him. But we do have to get into the top five AFC West players now, because one of the guys in the top five just left for the Miami Dolphins. And let's see how many charges are in. I can tell you, it's two. All right, David. Well, you brought up a really good topic when we were talking about how we were going to kind of tie this show together. And it was talking about the weapons in the AFC West because there's still some very good weapons and maybe the best weapon, one of the best weapons in the NFL, Devontae Adams, is now in the division. But I think we started with the top two here, David. The top two weapons still in the AFC West in my mind I think it's pretty simple I think it's Devontae Adams one guy who has 29 touchdowns the last two seasons and then it's also Travis Kelsey number two the guy who's you know probably the best tight end in the league so I think even though 
Chargers don't make it to the top two, I think that top two is pretty set in stone. It is set in stone for now, but I'm going to tell you right now, I think the the guy who can fall very, very far from grace here is Travis Kelsey. I think because Tyreek Hill is gone, now he's the number one offensive weapon, and you know that you're going to take him away. You're going to do everything you can to bracket sure. him and double him and remove him from the equation. But until you do that, yeah, his resume speaks for itself. Six straight seasons of 1,000-plus receiving yards, four seasons of eight-plus touchdowns. The guy's absolutely dynamic. And for also for Devontae Adams, yes, like he's filled up the stat sheet. I mean, three, time, three seasons of 1,300-plus receiving yards, one of 15-plus, one, uh, I think it was actually 18 touchdowns that season, which is crazy. Uh, I mean, that dude is unbelievable, but – um, like I said, Travis Kelsey, I think, is a guy who could fall off this list even by next year. Well, and I think the thing about Devontae Adams is, like, it's hard to imagine him replicating his Aaron Rodgers season with Derek yeah. Carr. Like, right. I still think he's going to be a great receiver. I think he's still going to be a great weapon and still deserves a beer on this list. Like, I think if it was him and Tyreek Hill with the change of quarterback for him, I think it would be a discussion, right? Even with yeah. that dude being the best wide receiver in the NFL, like, just that's how good Aaron Rodgers is, that – and Devontae Adams is great. I'm not taking yeah. anything away from him. But, no. I mean, Travis Kelsey, the one thing you know he's going to get is, like, I mean, who else are the targets going to go to now? So, like, yeah. even though guys are going to be focused on him, you know, they still have some weapons there, and they're still going to be able to find ways to get in the football. And he should, I mean, probably have the most targets he's ever seen this season. So, I'm sure he'll still produce at a very high level. Number three is a little bit more difficult, David, because I think it comes down to Darren Waller or Keenan Allen. And this was one. I went back and forth on because I think the argument for Darren Waller is like, hey, he's higher up on the list of tight ends than Keenan Allen is on the list of wide receivers. He's better at his position than Keenan Allen is at his position just when you're comparing him amongst his peers. But I went with Keenan Allen, and it's because of the consistency and the ability yeah. to do it year in and year out. Because as good as Darren Waller is and at his you know peak, maybe the best receiving tight end in the league because he's the most athletic. He puts it all together. He's right up there with Travis Kelsey. But – He's had two seasons of 90-plus catches and 1,100 receiving yards, whereas Keenan Allen's had five straight seasons of 97-plus catches. Four of the last five years, he's gone over 1,100 receiving yards. So I think here, even though Keenan Allen might be, you know, I don't think he's lost a step at all. Like, I think he's still right kind of where you'd expect him to be and even overperforming for his age. He's been there. He's done it. And there's no reason to make me think he's not going to do it again, whereas Darren Waller's coming off of a banged-up season. And he's done it only twice, even though those two seasons are, you know, two of the better receiving seasons we've seen from a tight end in NFL history. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, Darren Waller is an absolute weapon for sure. Like he's a beast, an animal you have to account for. You got to know where he's at. But yeah. Keenan Allen's game is timeless. And that's why he's going to continue to produce because the things that make him good is not necessarily his speed. It's his get off. It's his precise route running. It's his craftiness. It's his understanding of the offense and his connection with Justin Herbert. This guy's a third down machine, a first down machine. I mean, you, you need a th you need a first down. You're you go you're going to Keenan Allen, and he's going to convert. And that's why it doesn't matter if he slows down a little bit because he can still get open with the the weapons that he has at his disposal. And yes, the resume speaks for itself. After the injury concerns in the beginning of his career. Keenan Allen has come to work every single day and has performed for the last five or six years in a row. So you can't call him injury prone. All you can call him, at least for me right now, is a future Hall of Famer. Oh, 
I haven't heard that taken thrown around there a lot. It's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see where he ends up just because, I mean, obviously there's so many great receivers and like there's never been a time where Keenan Allen was thought of as the best receiver in the league, right? So I think that hurts him a little bit. But I do think that when you're talking about consistency, when you're talking about a story, I mean, for sure, like five straight seasons of doing this after the tumultuous injuries that he went through and, you know, people wondering if he was just a total bust and was never going to get back to this place, put in the work. Now he's the number three best weapon in the AFC West, which is loaded with weapons. And I'll tell you one thing that goes to that point is there's not a single Denver Bronco that's going to make it onto this list. Three very, you know, pretty good receivers. I guess I should say no great receivers. They don't have a great tight end. They have a good quarterback, but this list isn't four quarterbacks. And I mean, the next guy on this list. So, so I mean, let's go through the list. We have Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, Keenan Allen coming in at number three and Darren Waller coming in at number four. And that's the thing with the Raiders. Like you have two of the top three weapons or four weapons in the AFC West, right? That's yeah. scary. But you also have the fourth best quarterback in the division. So I think that's kind of where it gets balanced out a little U- bit. Universally. But <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty much where everyone is. I've seen some people say Derek Carr over Russell Wilson, but I wouldn't say that. But anyways, number five is a toughie, David, because I don't think it's Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, like I talked about no. before, hasn't had a good season, a really elite season in a while. Like four years, yeah. Denver's not there. I think it comes down to Austin Eckler versus Mike Williams. We're talking about weapons inside this division. I think Hunter Renfro deserves a shout-out as well. He's in the conversation. But for me, I went with the guy who had 20 touchdowns last year, Austin Eckler, coming in at number five. And I think that's just one of those things, David, where I think he's still criminally underrated. The dude had the second most rushing yards in the AFC West behind Melvin Gordon, who had seven more yards. And Melvin Gordon's still a free agent at this point, while also having 20 touchdowns and being tied with, you know, Jonathan Taylor for the most touchdowns in the NFL last season. Austin Eckler to me is the fifth best weapon inside the AFC West. I agree. I have him also on number five on, on my list as well, just because he's dynamic. And the, the thing that sucks for Austin Eckler is that he is a great, and I mean, great receiver. And I think that kind of takes away from what he does as a running back, especially when you got At least a guy how like people Jonathan. think of him as a running yeah, back, right? Exactly. Because it really doesn't take away from his actual rushing ability. It just, no. he has such a good receiving moniker, right, for him that he does, people don't think, they think of him more as like a scat back and don't realize how tough and how strong this dude is and how good of a runner he is. That's why I feel like in the Pro Bowl and in the All Pro, they need to have a section called weapon. Just, just weapon, because if if there was, it would be Debo maybe and Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler is ridiculous. No matter what you ask him to do, he does it at a high level. And oh, by the way, this was an undrafted free agent player that worked and busted his ass playing special teams to get his get yeah. him on the roster, get his playing time, and he has done nothing but succeed from that moment on. And there's no reason to believe that he's going to slow down anytime soon. Yeah, no, I, I think he's one of the best, obviously, just weapons, pure weapons in the NFL. And it seems like the Chargers, you know, in this offense have learned how to really get the most out of him, even though you'd probably like to see him you get less touches, yeah. more ability to just get him in space because you're not just running him and he's your only real option at your starting running back spot and taking those carries on the inside because he was like your best short yardage back and your best everything back last year. Yeah. And you didn't have anyone to take that load, especially when Justin Jackson was injured. Right. But the other thing for the Chargers, David, I think is that they might have three of the top six weapons at the AF- in the AFC West just because I think Mike Williams has a good you know case for being number six. 
putting up, you know, probably a top 12 wide receiver season last year, right? Nine touchdowns, 1140 plus yards. He put it all together last year. And I think he's underrated as a weapon. It seems like, well, mostly by the Chargers fan base, honestly, yeah. because it seems like everyone else is like, why would you not resign that dude? He's a freak. But we know there's inconsistency there. I think, though, at his best when he's having the games like he had against the Raiders in the last game of the season or like he did against the Browns or all the other big giant games he had. Like, I think the Chargers could easily have three of the top six weapons. The ceiling for him is just so high. I mean, you, you can see what he can do, what he is capable of doing, the big circus catches and the the ability to really perform when the lights are on the brightest. Like, that's that's when Mike Williams shows up the most, and that's – when you know you need those big plays to keep a game going and you're throwing a long bomb and he's going up and jumping over everybody and putting his body on the line and you know he he really gave his blood sweat and tears for the organization and the organization rewarded him with a new contract so we just got to hope that he brings that same swagger that same physical ability and that same passion for playing football playing the game playing through injuries playing hurt like Mike Williams has done everything the Chargers that he possibly can and we just got to hope that he's going to continue to provide those big plays for the next couple years yeah we have to hope that the Chargers coaching staff can continue the plan that kept him as healthy as we've ever seen him last season and we have to hope that what he did shout out to the sports performance exactly I mean I think the other big thing for the Chargers too is the drops are definitely going to progress to the mean like I don't think you're going to see it being outrageous as you did last season that's the other crazy thing too is like three of the top six weapons but like Still a chance they take another weapon at 17 and then like really kind of take the next step forward and being the best offense in the AFC West because it all feels so wide open now. It just doesn't seem like a foregone conclusion anymore. And this was a seismic shift. And this is why it's so cool that the Chargers are actually pushing their chips to the middle of the table and going for it this year because you never know what's going to happen. A Tyreek Hill could get traded right before the draft, right? And you just don't know. And it just makes things so much closer in a, a division that was never really you know out of the Chargers grasp totally especially with their performances against the team with Tyreek Hill that they've been going really neck and neck with over the last two seasons two and two with two overtime losses so I think that's a huge development in the AFC West and just another huge win for the Chargers in free agency and in an offseason where they've had a ton of them but that's going to do it for today's show we will back with you guys tomorrow we were going to have Daniel Popper from the Athletic on the show we had to reschedule with him so we're audibling again some of our best shows come from the Audible. So we're getting back to Fan Mail Friday, back to the roots, back to you guys getting your questions on the show. So make sure to hit us up on our Locked On LAC on Twitter post that we're going to put out there. You can also join the new Chargers community on Twitter that me and David are running on there and that we're hoping to have a lot of fun with that. So we'd appreciate you guys joining in. You can also make sure to find the show on Twitter at Locked On LAC, on Instagram at Locked On Chargers, on our Locked On Chargers Facebook page. And you can also call into the Locked On Chargers voicemail line at 323-524-7924. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me on Twitter at Dan Talk Sports and David Drogemeyer on Twitter at DrotalkSD. You can also tag us and any questions that you have. And if you want to leave a voicemail and you want to get on the show, try to keep it around 30 to 45 seconds and that usually makes it on the show if you have good audio quality and all of that so if you guys want to get be a part of fan mail friday tomorrow make sure you guys hit us up so we can get into the latest chargers news and maybe we'll have some more news to talk about but until then take it easy and go bolts